Welcome to Shit We Do For Love, the podcast where we delve deep into the gap between our human need for love and connection and our secret belief that we're not really good enough to be loved. This gap has us forever trapped in people-pleasing, procrastination and perfection and all sorts of nonsense as we try to measure up and be the person we've been told is worthy of love, all the while missing the truth about how amazing we already are. I'm your host, the Love Your Bloody Self coach, Wendy Windle. Fancy having boundaries that get back time for you? Then head to wendywindle.com to pick up your free guide, because never having time for ourselves is just some more shit we do for love. A recent study has shown that 74% of women will experience adverse symptoms of perimenopause, with women, get this, under 40 experiencing the same issues as women over 40. In other words, while the textbooks might say that peri or perimenopause is a thing that happens to women over the age of 50, the textbooks are wrong by about a decade. If you're experiencing a sudden change in your moods, maybe feeling weepy or depressed, angry and unable to cope, or notice a change in your sleep patterns, like waking up in the middle of the night is a common one, or suddenly can't remember where you keep the car keys, or forget important meetings and feel like you need to write everything down or it's literally wiped from your memory, you, my love, might be in perimenopause. So join me for a sit down and a bit of a giggle with Emily Barkley, the founder of the Perimenopause Hub and All Round Good Egg. This isn't so much us just listing symptoms to expect in Peri because you can get that from Google. It's two women who've been on the dark side of perimenopause and are now in a place where we can have a lighthearted chat about it. And I'm going to be honest, it's taken me several years to get to a place where I could have a lighthearted chat about it. We get into the huge personal growth and self-acceptance that eventually, I promise, does come as a side effect of this frankly bloody awful time if you have the right support. There's so much shit we do for love that we cover in this one episode. I, I couldn't cram it under one title. We talk about how we shut up and push through even though we're exhausted, how we suffer under the weight of trying to be ladylike when there, there's nothing polite or genteel about perimenopause, and how we stuff our negative experiences down, hoping that they will go away. Grab a cool pack and a tub of ice cream, and please enjoy Shit We Do For Love, reclaiming your raw in perimenopause. Emily Barkley, how dare you know so much about perimenopause? I honestly, when I stumbled across you, I was like, I have just been ashamed to talk about what's going on with myself, struggling alone, thinking I was losing it, and faced with everything that a woman is ashamed to face. Get yes. uh, Oh my gosh, I'm getting older. Mm -hmm. it, uh, am I, is my clock stopping? I mean, what, what, let's, oh, let's get into the language around this. Uh, is my clock stopping? I'm no longer fertile, therefore no, no longer worthy. I had always prided myself on being intellectual and smart, clever, good girl. And now I couldn't even remember where I kept the toothpaste. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, good, I'm it? struggling all alone. And then I stumble across you on a Facebook group 
and you've gathered together thousands upon thousands of women all going through the same thing. How did you know to do that? <laughs> uh, luck and a fair wind. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, sensible answer. Sensible answer. Oh no! I... You don't have to be sensible or a good girl here, love. <laughs> <laughs> That's lucky. Um, so I felt all of those things as well. And when I finally, three and a half years after first not recognizing myself, got the word perimenopause from my doctor, I was like, oh my God, there's a word. I am not dead. This is all all right. It's kind of a second puberty. I survived the first one. I'm probably gonna survive this one. All is good. You know, that was quite an exciting moment. Got home and had a bit of a Google around to see what support I could find, what help I could find, what community I could find to find people like me. Next to nothing. Yeah. I was 42 at that point. So I was, in inverted commas, too young. Oh, and yeah. I had my first symptoms at 41. Yeah, I so, started at 39, which was just ridiculous. Yeah, no one said the word perimenopause to me until I was over 45. And even then it was like, well, you're probably too young for perimenopause. Yeah. But... I'm like, well, I got all the symptoms, lucky uh, me. Hold on. But yeah, so I kind of then had a bit of a look around to see if I could find a, a community where there'd be people like me, you know. And the communities I found were very much aimed at women who had got to menopause. And so they were prim primarily in their 50s and kind of actually quite a bit, quite a big difference in life stage from early 40s to, to sort of mid 50s. I hadn't realised until I was looking at that. People talking about grandkids, I'm like, whoa, like, I don't have kids, but none of my peers are anywhere close to having to becoming grandparents. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then, you know, by the time you're in your mid 50s, you're kind of starting looking forward to retirement and stuff. Whereas, obviously, in your early 40s, that's miles away so I was just like I I don't belong in those groups and I've still got periods so I clearly don't belong either because they will finish so um I kind of thought well let's create something um and I knew I wanted to have options for how to manage whatever the hell was happening rather than just following one set route and so I started just bringing together some experts to see if we could create this nice little safe place where people can find the help that they need, but also get the community support. And, and for me, frankly, been... it's gone a bit ridiculously crazy. <laughs> How many members do you have now? 51,500 or something, something stupid like Around that. 51,000. So that means 51,000 women are wondering what on earth is wrong with them feeling completely unsupported by the medical profession feeling unsupported probably in their homes probably chatting with their mates about it but it's the blind leading the blind and then they stumble into this group and I have to say that was the most wonderful thing to be able to post about every embarrassing symptom <laughs> like good lord I can fart for Britain what is <laughs> happening with me <laughs> Yeah, have hundreds of women just say me too love oh me too you know, yeah or, totally. I've always had the odd bristle but I could pluck a beard every day what is going and just have oh yeah me too love and just be met with such compassion and friendliness and and frankly all just having a good laugh 
because you have to have yeah. a laugh yeah and I mean sometimes people post some really serious stuff in there as well because obviously there's some serious stuff going on as well but yeah I I've always wanted to keep it relatively light-hearted so it doesn't become just a really dark place to be because perimenopause and hormonal changes are dark enough anyway we don't need to then be going to social media for more darkness there's enough of that everywhere and also that there was never anything such as TMI in the group because in the early days I had a few people going oh I don't know if I can talk about periods I was like, well of course you can if you can't talk about it here where can you talk about it you know so yeah we've, I've always been quite quite keen to make sure that it's a place where people feel safe to discuss anything really absolutely anything which has been great and really you know in terms of shit we do for love right there's a certain mm. level of purity and cleanliness that that a woman has been told that we're supposed to have you know we have a you know a light bleed a few days of the month oh yes and, and we can wear white jeans because we are using a tank bags yeah, and we can go roller skating according to the commercials we want oh. to go horse riding <laughs> but the, and the beauty of that is that we we just lose a little bit of blue water a bit of blue water it's nothing to worry about you're fine you know yes. but it's, I love that you called it gushing gushing <laughs> torrents of blood oh no that doesn't happen no. <laughs> so the countless pairs of underwear destroyed forever <laughs> no. but we're not supposed and to talk about that because we're supposed to be clean at all times and presentable and ladylike you know so we're allowed to talk about these things with our mums behind closed doors if we have that kind of mum I'm lucky mm. too but apart from that there's not really where anywhere else that it's acceptable so to, and we're not just talking about what happens to our periods in perimenopause, which can be horrendously difficult to deal with because they just take on a whole life of their own. <laughs> you know? I went from 28 day cycle, whole life, never had even experienced period pain. I was one of those women that women hate and rightly so. I, I didn't know what period pain was. I experienced a dull scrape every now and then, you know, to suddenly <laughs> doubled up on the bedroom floor. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to go to Sainsbury's. Never mind, live a life. My, my, at my worst, I was getting that sort of level, but for five days each period. Oh. Now, I'd had painful periods as a teenager, but maybe for half a day. So the first half day would always be excruciating. And I never found any painkillers that touched the sides. But I always knew that it would only, by kind of 1, 2 p.m. on that first day, I would suddenly come out of the fog of pain. A couple of summers ago, oh my word. Like, actually it must've been last year. There was one particular time and it was day five, heaviest period I've ever had, most painful I've ever had. I was going off to meet up with a friend for lunch. And if she hadn't been, if she didn't live as far away as she does, and if she hadn't been one of my, bestie bestie ever friends I'd have cancelled mm -hmm. there's literally not a chance in hell I would have got there as it was <laughs> laughable with hindsight not funny at the time <laughs> bundled myself in the car with a hot water bottle wrapped around me in the vain hope that this pain might stop by the time I actually got to where I was meeting her for lunch and sat down and, and I find when I get that level of period pain I feel really lightheaded and kind of like I 
like I need a sort of sugary intake. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh, yeah. So I got I got there. We were meeting up at this nice little pub for some lunch, and I just was like, "I'm going to have to have a half pint of of fat coke." I never, I don't like coke. But I was like, "That's the only thing that might just draw me out of this." And after sort of three half pints of fat coke, I was eventually like, "Okay, now I can look at the menu because now I don't feel like I'm going to die." Yeah, so you actually need to be on a high of some kind just to be able to read because that's another thing. Like that nobody ever told us about your eyesight goes. Mm. You know, just yesterday, my husband was trying to show me something on the phone, and I was like, "Oh, babe, my eyes have gone." And he was like, "What? What's wrong? Do we need to get your eyes tested?" I'm like, "No, they're fine. It's just hormonal. There's yeah. a few days of the month where I just can't see." <laughs> like, no one ever told us this. I don't know. I'm just today. I'm broken. All right. Yeah, I just my eyes aren't working today. They will come back online tomorrow. Maybe check on the user manual. It'll tell you probably once a month. This 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 version of this human breaks. Sorry, it just breaks down. But this is why for me, going through perimenopause has been the strongest lesson in self love I've ever experienced. Because frankly, I got to the point where it was self-love or die, you know, my moods, my depression, my anger, let's talk about anger, was so violent and strong that I got to the point where I was like, I'm going to have to get really, really still and really decide to love myself as I am right now. And it showed me how much I had, I thought I was doing a great job at loving myself, you know, meditation teacher, self-love coach, but I hadn't realized how many conditional clauses were written into my self-love I can love myself because I'm always a healthy weight I can love myself because I'm a really productive engaged member of society I can love myself because I'm so good at sleeping and therefore I'm always of a sunny disposition I can love myself because I can exercise I can love so many of those things absolutely and that was I mean Sorry, I've just totally hijacked. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) Um, But in my very early perimenopause days, I'd gone from training for silly long distance triathlons to suddenly just flawed energy wise and flawed double double O R E D, not F L A. I'm not seeing it as a flaw in myself. (laughs) You were lying on the floor. I felt that I needed to just clarify the homonym there. Um, and I didn't, and I just kept pushing on through because exercise is good, right? And you have to keep exercising, right? And it's good yeah, for you. It's right? good for you. It makes the period and pain go away, apparently. So they say. I'm sorry, that's <laughs> bullshit. It doesn't make your period pain go away. Anyway, um, I'm sure it does for some people, and they're very lucky. You know, everyone's different. I'm sure it works for yeah. some people. Doesn't Frankly, for me. when I'm you know in Costco doubled up over the trolley wondering if I'll make it to the car the last thing on my mind is I should swing into the gym <laughs> yeah but also I sometimes think come on Emily you've got too many dogs you're a dog walker walk it off you know and I haul myself around those dog walks and so I'm not even trying to do big exercise at that point I'm just moving and that's too much anyway going back to what I was saying my all my self-esteem was built on stuff that I could do yeah, and stuff that I did. And 
how I looked and how I performed and all of those things. It's all very sort of male external things that I was measuring myself against. Oh, you just did a thing to my heart. Exactly. And then I, before I had the word perimenopause, I started working with a nutritionist because I was just like, what the hell is happening here? This is ridiculous. I need more tests than the NHS are giving me and whatever. And um, she, (laughs) it's laughable with hindsight, wasn't at the time. One of the things she got me to do was a a test that does your cortisol levels to see how your adrenals are functioning and all that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And the results came back and it turned out Mine were through the floor. I'm back at the floor again. There it is. On the floor again. Which yeah, is I was on the floor again. Perimenopause. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, I mean, my analogy is good. <laughs> um, and I spoke to her. This was this was on a Friday. I remember it so clearly. She went, right, okay, well, those tests show that you need to stop. You need to stop. Seriously. This isn't a question of I'm advising you that probably you slow down. This is These tests so show you have to stop. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got a half marathon on Sunday. But, uh, you know, I've got a race. I'm signed up for a race. And she said, well, I can't prevent you from doing that. I love the bargaining. I've got to have marathons. Let me just run the marathon, right? And then then I'll take a weekend off. Yeah, then yeah. I'll think about it. Okay, yeah, I'll just, whatever. But I've got to do that. Anyway, so the Sunday came around. Bear in mind, that was only two days later. So I didn't have time really to sort of take on board the impact of what she'd said. And I ran the half, I say ran, I staggered the half marathon with a friend and we we gossiped and laughed our whole way around it. And it was wonderful. And it was exactly what I needed. And yes, I got my medal at the end and I did it. And then I came home and I slept and I slept and I slept. And previously I'd have done a half marathon and then come home, had a shower and gone straight out to the pub and got on it. Do you know what I mean? And it was just such a shock that my body was just going, seriously, when will you listen, woman? Yes. When will you listen? And when will you accept the situation you're in? And so at that point, I was like, oh, right. I see. Interesting. And when I then came to look back over my diary at that stage, a year later, when I was doing my accounts, I cancelled everything. There's, there's three months in my diary where the only things that existed were a few customer dogs that I couldn't not walk mm-hmm. and everything else got cancelled. Yeah, Which I had that year too. When you, when you actually look back and you go, oh my God, I got that bad. And I'd pushed myself that hard that I had let myself get that bad that I had to cancel life for three months. Mm-hmm. I have to say, yeah. I was so grateful the pandemic in terms of mm. it, I was able to hide the fact that I had stopped because everyone had to stop and yet the difference was I'd stopped two years too soon you, see. you were in a, I, yeah. I, I don't want to stop again I'm not ready like, yet thank <laughs> goodness the world has stopped because I can no longer carry on yeah and what I thought was this is going to be great I'm just going to have like a month I'm just going to lie down for a bit get my <laughs> energy back I just need to rest, some sleep. I'm going to read a novel. What? <laughs> Nothing to do with business or helping people. I'm going to read a novel. Um, that went on for about six months to a year. Yeah. And again, the same. The only appointments I kept were client appointments that are, are my absolute joy and actually didn't take anything out of me to give anyway. But everything else, 
you know, posting on social media was the first thing to go. Everything else just had to go. Yeah. And yet, looking back on it, it was very painful at the time. But looking back on it, I almost, I'm like, everyone needs to do this. We all need to just stop. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I highly recommend that people go and get tested if they can, because I had that experience too of getting full blood works done and sitting down with a hormonal doctor who told me the exact same thing, Emily. She said, your adrenals are fried. You have nothing to push through with, so stop trying to push through. You literally need to rest, take some herbs, <laughs> eat well, <laughs> and let your adrenals build up. Because what I didn't realize is that if you don't have adrenals, you have zero ability to respond rationally to triggers in your life so I was like, I, oh this is yeah. why I'm sitting at breakfast and my husband will say something like oh is there cutlery no blame just is there cut just should I get cutlery because there's no cutlery on the table no blame nothing awful coming at me and I would burst into tears mm -hmm. like a child like <laughs> how dare you <laughs> like wow Zero capability I, I, to be a grown-up. I received an email um, that was just something about what we were going to do for mum's birthday. It was There was nothing in this email to upset me. Nothing. <laughs> I cried for about 24 hours solidly. Yeah. And then within that 24 hours... I had to haul myself out of the house to go and see some clients. So I had to pull myself together for half an hour. And en route to theirs, a moorhen ran in front of the car and I hit it because I couldn't avoid it. Mm. And I had to pull over and sob proper big, you know, ugly sobbing for like 10 minutes. Then try and pull myself together to go and do this um, fitness session for these clients. Put my happy face on, got back in the car and straight back to... <laughs> and it was, I was just like, who is this person? Yeah. I always thought I had some resilience. I mean, I'm pretty emotional. I, I I like to display the full gamut of emotions. They're there for us. We may as well use them. I'm here to experience them. <laughs> yeah, but but I normally can err uh, towards the happier ones and see the sort of amusement in situations and and find the the dark humor or whatever. That 24 hours, nope, none yeah. of that existed. None of it. None of it. And it's I gone. was just, I got to the point on the Monday, I rang the doctor and went, <laughs> seriously, something's got to change here because this is not right. Yeah. And it's the hardest thing in the world as someone who is busy, engaged, loves to be out and about, loves to create, loves to be able to sit back at the end of the day and feel proud of what you've accomplished to have to flip that script and say what I need to accomplish today is unplugging and doing nothing and letting myself cry and letting myself be really angry and if I'm going to break some stuff in the house today that's actually okay it's like who is this person but I have to love her and then you get all the guilt that goes with oh I'm not doing I'm not being busy I'm not mm -hmm. achieving I have now and it's taken a while <laughs> as all these things do I know on the weekend when I go and do the shopping, I pick up four, unless it's a bank holiday weekend, in which case five, <laughs> trashy magazines. I'm talking genre, pick me up, chat, you know, that sort of level mm -hmm. of magazine. 
gossip magazines. I yeah. love them. Not not celebrity gossip, all those real life stories. They're the ones. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love them. They've got a good crossword or two in there as well. You know, they are absolute mental switch off. Yes. Because you don't even have to get into reading a novel and remembering who somebody was. <laughs> it's two pages at a time. That is literally how I unwind these days. So if I've had a manic week, and I know if I get half, this is why I buy four of them. If I get halfway through the week and I'm suddenly coming up against that buffer of exhaustion again, which rears its ugly head without any great warning quite often. There is a pattern to it within my cycle, but sometimes it just goes, "Eh, let's have an extra one right now. I just have to go and sit with one of my trashy magazines and just be. Just be and switch off. And Mm. I I know lots of people would choose meditation at that point or they'd choose yoga or they'd choose whatever. For me, it's real life stories about some horrific murder that happened in America and did the husband do it? By the way, he always did. Um, And that just that just switches me off from everyday life. And it, it, it's that plugging myself back in thing that means then my battery recharges. And, you know, I'm sure plenty of people would not view that as being self-care or self-love, but it works for me. It works for you. And I think that's one thing I love about the community that you've created, that there's no judgment over choosing something that works for you. There's not one prescription of you should be on HRT or you should not. It's what, find what works for you, you know? Like, it's fun, you know, I've been a meditation teacher for like, for over 10 years. So you would think that meditation got me through these dark days. Nope, reality TV. Well, that is, and that's Love is blind, the, people. That is basically the same as my magazines, isn't it? Exactly. It's, it's the same thing. I can drool on myself, eat biscuits, and just have the TV on and just be nowhere. No. See, I have to put on property programs whilst <laughs> I am reading my magazines, A Place in the Sun or Escape to the Country in an Ideal World. But that is the full, for me, that is the full prescription for switching off and recharging batteries. Yeah. And it's amazing how much guilt and self-judgment I had to walk through to be <sighs> able to let myself sit down and binge Love is Blind all weekend. What do you do this weekend? I build, binge the Netflix show. But you know mm. what? I just needed something to keep my mind occupied enough that I, it would let my body stay in one place. Exactly. Because exactly. if your body's not in one place, your adrenals aren't healing. It's as simple yeah. as that. It's, you and, need that lie down rest. Yeah. And I mean, when I was at my worst prior to stopping and realizing quite how much my body needed me to actually listen to it, I remember walking some customer dogs and I always walk them about three o'clock in the afternoon and there's this little bridge over the road that I take them on and I remember getting halfway across the bridge which is 200 meters from their house and suddenly thinking okay I'm done I have nothing left and anybody listening who has ever done any sort of distance cycling will know when you get your fueling wrong on the bike, that feeling, when you just hit the wall and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I was getting that from walking 200 metres. Wow. And it was like, okay, I will I will haul myself around this walk because these the, the dogs haven't done, you know, they, they need their walk. I would haul myself around, get myself home. And then it wasn't, this was, this was before, you know, prescription of a place in the sun and trashy magazine. 
mm-hmm. the point at that point it was pajamas bed mm-hmm. it wasn't sit on the sofa sit on the sofa was still too uprighty sitting I needed to be horizontal and out and I could sleep easily for like two or three hours mm-hmm. it was wow. it was crazy yeah you could just you go down you're literally, and, we're coming back to it, you're flawed. You are flawed. Yeah. You are on the floor. But, Absolutely. So perimenopause, and I'm sorry to anyone listening who is not yet in perimenopause. And yeah, terrified. sounds great, doesn't it? We've really <laughs> painted a good picture. By the way, it'll be knackered and angry. It's great. <laughs> but the great thing about it, now there is support coming. And I find that our generation yes. is the generation that now we are talking about it. We're like, yes. no. Shit we do for love is normally shut up and put up. And no, we're refusing to do that. We're coming out in our messy, sweaty hotness and saying this is happening to more than 50% of the population and we need to address it. My love, I promise you, we will get into into the positive, truly positive effects of going through perimenopause, including how this can be a time to reclaim your raw Frankly, when you don't have enough energy to put up with bullshit anymore, you learn fast how to build boundaries. And if you want more help with learning how to build boundaries, come and grab my free guide to building boundaries that get back time for you. Head to wendywindle.com and download your free copy now. One of the topics we're about to get into is what I call the red mist, the peri rage, an anger that sweeps you off your feet and can leave you shaking. Anger has become such an ally on my journey that the next episode of Shit We Do For Love is dedicated to digging deeper into how to make anger your ally. It's a solo episode, episode, so full of how-tos. So once you finish this, hit subscribe or join my mailing list to make sure that you don't miss that next episode. Now, back to our Perry godmother, Emily, and we turn the tables and learn how to make perimenopause an actual positive. But yeah. let's talk about the positives. And I know yes. it sounds weird, everything we've just said, but there are <laughs> such great positives about going through perimenopause. What have they been for you? What have you discovered about yourself? Okay, God, where do I start? Um, one of the really big positives for me, as somebody who's never wanted children, is that I'm ever closer to that elusive day when it can't accidentally happen. Ooh. Now. I totally get for anybody who is desperate for kids, that's a really horrible thing for me to say. And I apologise. This is just how I personally feel. And also, I seem to have finally reached the age where people stop asking me when I'm going to have, oh, Emily, when are you going to have children? I'm not. Oh, Mm -hmm. clock's ticking. You still could. (laughs) still could. There's still something. No. I've made a life choice. Please respect it. I don't want to. You know, and and so I'm loving the fact that I'm just that much older now that people don't ask anymore. And if they do ask, oh, what kids have you got? I say, I don't have any. And they go, good choice. Because they've all got to this age and (laughs) realised that actually maybe it's quite hard work having kids and that maybe it isn't for everyone, you Mm. know. So that is a definite plus. I for years literally forever considered my body to be wrong the Mm. wrong shape the wrong size too big I didn't fit in apparently according to my head 
I look back at photos. A photo came up in my Facebook memories the other day, and it's me with my colleagues who I worked with in, it must have been 2005, that winter ski season, I was working in the Alps. And I worked on the reception of a ski school with lots of lovely French ladies. And French ladies are always quite slim and whatever, because the societal pressure is batshit. And at the time, I genuinely thought I was twice the size of them. I honestly thought I was at least twice the size of all of them put together, at least. I look back at that photo and I'm like, there, there isn't a fat person in that picture. There are three women who are basically exactly the same body shape. Wow. And so there I'd been, I'd spent years just beating myself up over the fact that I was the wrong shape and the wrong size. The only thing is I happen to have broader shoulders than some people and bigger hips than some people and bigger boobs than some people. That didn't actually make me big or a bad person. And even if I were big, it still didn't make me a bad person. Yeah. And then, so then when Perry first started with me, one of my big things was weight gain and not recognizing this person in the mirror. And that brought up all of that self-hatred. Oh mm. my word. That was a difficult, difficult time. The positive from that is finally now, I just, I just accept that my body is, it's a body. It's literally just a body. It it doesn't have to be resembling Kate Moss. It doesn't have to be resembling anybody else. It's just simply, it's the, the external thing that houses me. And do you know what? I'm still a nice person. I still don't kill puppies. And I love that that's your level of nice. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know. Yeah, don't kill puppies. That's really not a very nice thing to do. Um, but no, I'm still a kind person. I still have a silly sense of humor. I'm still a, a really good friend to my friends. I'm still all these brilliant things. And that doesn't change if my if the skin suit is a different size. I just buy different sized clothes. And I, I wish I you just say it like that. I just buy different size clothes. Because God, I wish I'd realised this when I was 20. Oh my goodness. Or 16, right? I mean, how well, much how much has our identity been welded to our dress size? Honestly. You know? And when you go up a dress size or two or three when you hit perimenopause, because suddenly you realize that the body is functioning in a way that it changes shape drastically from morning to evening. And needs room to do that. Stretchy pants, hello. <laughs> Absolutely. And they need to be big and roomy and never mind skinny jeans. And I'll just undo the button if I have some fries. It's like, no, the skinny jeans are gathering dust in a corner somewhere. We're back with stretchy pants, comfort, massive dresses, because the bloating, the body size changing, the weight gain, and yet to realize it's just different clothes. It's just they're just in a slightly different size. It it doesn't mean anything about me is such a powerful thing to say. And yeah, that takes work. That takes work, doesn't it? Because it comes it up. I've certainly experienced it come up. It was like a daily thing of looking down. You know when you go to the loo and you look down <laughs> and looking at this belly now flopping onto my thighs and just the instant reaction 
honestly was hatred. Yeah. And then to check it and go, wow, what has society done to us? Yeah. Where I can hate a part of my body that is working so hard to love me. Why can't yeah. I just love it back? Yeah. And 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 that, I then sort of took that a step further and went, you know what? This tummy, this this tummy tells me all about. And obviously, for people who've had children, there's a much more fundamental and sensible thing that you can put here. But this tummy tells me about all those amazing nights out I've had. Yeah, it tells me about all those amazing meals I've had. It tells me about all the chocolates I've enjoyed in my life. You know, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love then, food. I love I wine. I'm not going to I'm not going to deny myself food and wine any longer just for the for the purposes of fitting into the correct size dress. I just like oh no, life is too short. Life is and too short. I would say that is one of my really big positives since being in Perry. And also finally having the guts to have the hair that I want to have. Listen, now, Emily, I have turquoise and pink hair. <laughs> yes, and it's and it's shaved. So it's a it's a gorgeous little turquoise. I want you to imagine if you know Tintin the cartoon, imagine yeah. that. But instead of the gorgeous gingerness, it is this tur- turquoise at the front and shocking pink at the back. Absolute. Everybody, I'm here and I'm yeah. being who I want to be. Statement haircut, and I love it. Absolutely, <laughs> and again. Looking back to 16-year-old me and 20-year-old me, I remember having that crippling embarrassment at the idea that somebody that I knew I'd met might forget that, and so I wouldn't go and say hello. Although they, oh, they won't have remembered me. They won't oh, yeah. Me. Even oh, though you I, remember them, right? Yeah, but they, but oh, they won't possibly remember I'm me. insignificant. They won't oh, they won't possibly me. remember me. Yes. These days, yes, you've met me. Look at the hair. <laughs> you didn't forget that, did you? Do you know what? Just, it's just so much easier. It has, having ridiculous hair has removed a whole level of social anxiety from me because I know that people know if they've met me or not. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're the one with the hair. Yes, I am. Hi. Absolutely. You can't have a bad hair day because it will always look intentional. Yeah. (laughs) But I love it because I get like, you know, I, I live outside a small market town in rural England and I get anything from kids of five year old going, Mummy, that lady's got really colourful hair, through to women in their 80s going, oh, I wish I had the strength. I wish I, had, I was brave enough to have hair like yours. And I'm like, do you know what? Just do it. Why don't we all just embrace whoever it actually is that we are mm. rather than, and you know, I totally get when I see I see lots of posts in the hub and among other people who are going through perimenopause going, I think it's time to embrace the great. And I'm like, do it. Honestly, if that is the thing that makes you feel right and like you're you, then it is the right thing to do. I have always had just sort of mousy brown hair, which I've then always sort of dyed various sort of colours. And now I just think, no, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to blend in. I'm simply not ready to. Now is now is time to shine. But I love to hear you talk like that. You're not ready to blend in. Now's the time to shine. And embracing, but again, it comes to this, embrace what you want to embrace. Embrace what works for you. Because again, you don't need to embrace the grey if you don't want to. Women who do, no. that's ridiculous. 
women who continue to dye their hair look fabulous. <laughs> so embrace yeah. what is there for you to embrace. For me as well, let's talk about anger a little bit. Because <laughs> I've learned to make friends with anger. What's your journey with anger been like through this? Whew. Right. I will preface this with the fact that my partner deserves a medal or indeed a sainthood. <laughs> um, my anger, ooh, in the early Perry days, I had no control over it. And I couldn't understand where this explosion would come from. And suddenly I would and I can't describe it any other way. I would be experiencing an out-of-body experience, out-of-body experience, watching myself giving utter hell to my poor partner about nothing. Mm. And another thing. And by the way, and I'm just going, what the hell are you saying? And I'm watching myself. And like the sensible part of me, the normal part of me is going, stop now. Mm. Enough the hell are you doing? If you carry on much longer, you are going to, something you're really going to regret is going to happen. Like you're going to push him away and he's going to leave, or you're going to have to pack up your bags and go. You know, this is going to be really, this, this, this yeah. could go really badly wrong. You're going you to know. damage your life. Mm. And simultaneously, angry me is just like, <laughs> sob that I've still got stuff to say. And the first time it happened, and it's so ridiculous. My other half was cooking dinner. Nothing unusual in that. I had perceived that dinner was going to be ready at a certain time, and it wasn't. It was, oh, 10 minutes late. <laughs> oh, my God, you're a 1950s husband. <laughs> I literally lost my shit. So now I realise that there's a certain <laughs> point in my cycle when... Normal Emily through to hangry, and I don't mean little bits of hangry, I mean incredible hulk levels of hangry, is, is on a knife edge. And in those couple of days of my cycle, I have to make sure that I eat regularly. And if I don't, well, it, I've only got myself to blame. But what's horrible with those anger and rage, I can't even call it anger, it's rage. Mm -hmm. I call those it the rage, red mist. The red mist. With those rage outbursts, I would then, once the rage had subsided, because once it comes on quickly and it goes quickly, doesn't it? But And it stays as long as it wants to stay. But once it goes, I'd then just be sobbing and an absolute shell of myself. And then I would feel, for want of a better word, hung over from the rage outburst for a good two or three days. Yeah. Yeah. I would literally be shaky. And not just because of the awful things that I'd said to my husband, but because of, it almost was like something had passed through my body. Yes. And created such a shockwave it would take days to recover from. Yes. Horrible. And so I'm very glad that I've identified that just eating regularly really helps because I don't want to put myself or anybody around me through that too often. Yeah. it's not nice yeah you know we need snacks we need snacks on hand all the time and also you know I think what I learned through it as well was I had to learn how to communicate really really clearly because again I have a husband who needs a sainthood boom you know <laughs> so seeing me through the dark days of perimenopause he's been incredible I had to get to the point because he's such a hands-on helper 
you know, like he's a very, if he supports somebody, he wants to be in the room supporting you. You know, that's the kind of person he is. He's like, you know, you will not go through this alone. I am here with you. And I had to be really, really clear because I had to learn to say, you have to be in another room. Yeah, actually, that's lovely, but not right now. Yeah, (laughs) this isn't about you, but I'm about to make it about you because you're the only target available. I'm not going to take it out on the cats. So you are the only target available. So it's going to be so much easier for my mind to make all of this your fault rather than turn it around on me. So I had to really get good at clearly communicating in my relationship. And it's been amazing for us to get on all level of emotion, really clear and learn to accept each other's emotions, learn to be able to say to each other, like, wow, I'm really grumpy today. And for the other person to not take that personally, like, oh, no, what can I do? What can I do to fix you? Well, nothing, because it's an emotion that the other person is experiencing. It's kind of none of your business. You know, like, yeah. you get to say like, oh, is there anything I could do? Like, do you want a cup of tea or shall I cook today? Like anything to relieve the pressure. But I can't fix your emotions, <laughs> you know, and it's been great to get to that place where because I had to learn how to be so clear of this is what I need. You have to let me storm out of the house and go for a walk. Don't follow me. You have to let me go to the spare room and lock the door. I'm fine. But just leave me to let this thing do its thing because it's a big wave of rage. <laughs> and also, I, I've had to learn to just sometimes walk away. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the only thing that will help me and everybody in my vicinity is if I just go, okay, and this again is where my magazines come and really help for me. Like now I keep harping back to them, but they really help. I'm just I'm just reading my magazine. Now that means no. Yeah, I'm in my space now. This yeah. is my this is my retreat within the house. Magazine open, communication, no thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's I I can't start to imagine how difficult it must be for women going through this who've got quite small kids who are still very much needing mum, how they put those boundaries in place. I mean, I talk about boundaries all the time because, you know, boundaries are the the first step to proper self-care, I think. Um, Mm -hmm, I agree. And so for people who, because of family commitments, are less able to put in as firm boundaries as I've been able to, my heart goes out to them. It must be, but I think there are still boundaries that can be put in and ways to ways to manage it. I think so. I agree that imagining going through what I've been through in the last few years with small children in the house is to, I just, I have so much respect for mothers who are going through perimenopause. I like, I'm not even going to comment on their experience. Like I can't even imagine it. And I'm not there, but yeah, I mean, I should have a perimenopause expert on who's got kids so she can show some light. You should, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I think it like, would be a really interesting conversation because it's all well and good, both of us talking about it from the point of view of actually not having those people needing yeah. our time. Yeah, absolutely. People who mm. need you. But I love that you talk about boundaries as well because for me, I learned how to make friends with anger when I realized, okay, yes, there is the red mist. <laughs> you know, there's this, there's this irrational, I'll scream at anyone for anything just because there's this energy moving through me that requires me to scream. But then after I got over the shakes for a couple of days, you know, as a coach, I sat down and said, okay, let me just ask myself some deep questions here. What's going on? 
what is going on? And the first realization was actually, this is just a lot of pent up frustration from growing up as a girl who was never allowed to express her anger, you know, and like a redhead Irish kid, you know, passionate, (laughs) a lot of rage, but it was not acceptable. You know, shit we do for love, suppress any ugly emotions around our parents because those are not acceptable, not allowed. So to reach this stage, and again, for me, this was like the second stage of puberty, like the second puberty. In my first puberty as a teenager, I was not allowed to express what was happening with me. It was unacceptable. And I say this with my hand on my heart. My parents are incredible, but just, you know, there's a certain way that children should be in a house and having screaming tantrums at the age of 11 was certainly not favored, you know, <laughs> and, and through school as well, like not being able to express anger at teachers and boys and other girls who were just horrid, you know, we had to learn, suck it up, repress it, get on with things, you know? Yep. So suddenly hit this place where it was like a switch had gone off and I was like, I'm not repressing this anymore. So it wasn't just the anger of the moment. It's the anger of the ages. I have so many subjects now that I'm like, oh, don't get me onto that because quite angry about that one. Oh, yeah. there's another one. And I'm like, I ne- I'm sure I never used to bother expending energy. on. I suppose I was just too busy existing and partying and... <laughs> worrying about the size of my tummy or something um, to have any sort of particular desire to worry about such things. But now I have, I have a real, a real fire in my belly about anything that puts women down or belittles them or makes us feel that we're anything other than the absolutely amazing, perfect human beings that we are. And it, it, I guess we call it feminism. I don't know. But I just have this real like, no, seriously, every woman is absolutely epic. And society needs to stop with all these messages that tell her that she isn't. And diet companies need to stop with all these messages that tell her that she isn't. And everything, she's perfect as she is. Just let her be. Mm -hmm. Let her be. Let her figure it out. And for goodness sake, let her express what is happening in the moment. And I love that you call it a fire in the belly because that's what I've been left with after the red mist has subsided, you know, I've been left with this fire, with this passion, with this ability to speak up for myself and other people in a way that I was never willing to before. I I thought I was quite outspoken and yet I always had guilt about it. I would always have like, oh, I I was a bit loud at that party or or, I probably shouldn't have said that quite so clearly. You know, I had to carry around guilt hangover for days after like, you know, speaking in a way that any man would never blink twice about speaking. You know, I'm speaking my mind. I'm giving my opinion. Why would I have guilt for days afterwards? Because I'm a woman. And yet this anger has replaced the guilt. It's made it clear and fine to have an opinion a strong opinion and voice it to want to stand up for people and to ultimately to want to stand up for myself. Because what I realized was happening, what was triggering the red mist was usually my values have been, just been trampled on. My yes, absolutely. Have just been something had on. something had happened that, yeah. and you know, in the example I gave where the food was kind of 10 minutes late, I don't know. I, that probably wasn't what the problem was. I haven't got to the bottom of it, but I know there was an aspect of I knew I needed to eat and there was that 
polite me knows that you don't go and get something out of the fridge if someone's mm-hmm. cooking for you. So there was still that whole thing. And I think it was just, I, I knew perfectly well that I was about to tip into raging psycho cow. But but there was still that societal thing going, well, no, if somebody's cooking for you, you don't go through and you know, grab some crisps or whatever, because that's rude. Oh, I and, love that you see that though. That that, And again, that's a value. That's you need to take care of yourself and take care yeah. of your body and your body's screaming out for something. And in this case, and it happens to me all the time, we are the ones that trample on our own values. Yeah. We polite ourselves out of our needs. Yeah. You know, I found that for me, freedom is my number one value. I need freedom. And if that gets impinged in any way, that's when the red mist comes. Yeah. So it was great to be able to just sit with myself and say, okay, if that's so important to you and to give that to other people as well. What can you do about that every day so that you don't have to get to the point, you know, your body, your emotions, everything that's supporting you from the inside, your spirit, your soul, if you like, doesn't have to get to the point where they grab hold of a, of a red mist and make you run out into the street in the middle of the night. You know? <laughs> like, what can you be doing every day to release the pressure to give yourself that sense of you are mm. free to do what you want? And anger has played a huge part in that because if I can express her when she's there in the moment, you know, of like yeah. this needs to be said, I'm not going to be spoken to that way. Sorry. Or actually <laughs> you're in breach of contract, you know, <laughs> like actually just say absolutely out in the moment. And um, I've, I, I'm still not great at, I still, I still get nervous about really saying something that's properly on my mind, but I am so much quicker to say it now. Mm. And I don't then feel any guilt for having said it. I feel, I would feel guilty now if I didn't. Yeah. I would feel like I was letting myself down if I didn't say something I these days. That. Even if I feel like I'm a bit, oh, I know this needs saying, but maybe I should maybe I should just quash it down. And I'm like, no, if it needs saying, it needs saying. And sometimes I have to sleep on it a couple of nights and just make sure it needs saying, which I've learned as well, that sometimes one shouldn't act immediately in the in the moment. Oh, I'm a big fan. I write the email and then come back to it the next day and usually delete two thirds of it. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better. I had to I had to send an email that I was I knew needed sending and I knew I couldn't write it um, because I knew I, too much. Everything would come out. So I, I had to actually get my dad to help me write it. That's lovely. I was like, so this is kind of what needs to be said, but I'm too emotional. So can you just help me? Dad used to be a solicitor. He was a lawyer before he retired. So he's very good at words. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, um, so yeah, so I was just like, this is what needs saying. And and I, I'll add in the Emily-ness in a minute. But yeah, but just let me reach that baseline level of clarity and saying what needs to be said. And then I'll add yeah. my flavor. Okay. I love that. I love that. For me, like, perimenopause I feel having hung around in the group and listened to women there is this dark phase of you know it's like the caterpillar becomes the butterfly but the way that a caterpillar becomes a butterfly is by going into a cocoon and dissolving you know like you don't cut open a chrysalis and find a half caterpillar half butterfly that's not how transformation takes place a caterpillar turns to boop And those times where we're on the floor reading the magazines, watching the crap, you know, it's goop time, right? Yeah. So that you can then come out as the the butterfly and have that that time of reclaiming your raw, reclaiming your passions, 
this time around, from this time around of the second puberty, not willing, because we're not teenagers anymore, not willing to be repressed, not willing to be quiet, not willing to not talk about what's happening with us. I I think it's a bloody marvellous time, to be honest, which might sound a ridiculous thing to say after the darkness we've talked about as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it's to use a word that kind of annoys me quite a lot. But anyway, it's empowering if you choose to let it be. Mm. And I think that's maybe a point that however I say this is going to sound like I'm being really nasty and I'm not at all. But I notice and I guess the same happens throughout everything. I notice there's very much two camps of people. There are the people who are very much what is happening to me. I I'm powerless. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people who are going, oh, what's this? That I'm, what's this that I'm going through? What can I do? And I think if you're a what can I do sort of a person, I think you see the positives much more quickly than if you're a what's happening to me person. I agree. And I think that's why it's so important to have a community, because mm. it can when the symptoms become overwhelming, it can be really easy to get into that mindset of like, this is just happening to me and I'm alone. And yet yeah. with the community, you get to reach out and say, this is happening to me. I feel alone. And have yeah. hundreds of women say, you're so nearly there. There, there is light at yeah. the end of the tunnel. You know, there, it, there are things that you can do. Yeah. Final absolutely. advice, Emily, if you had someone, I mean, you do every day have thousands and thousands of women sitting in front of you. What's yes. the one key thing that you would say to anyone listening that, to this thinking, oh my gosh, I think I recognize what these women are talking through, talking about, I could be going through perimenopause. So the one thing that I always recommend is track, 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 track. <laughs> Do you mean um, running track? I don't mean running track. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bloody hell no. Track what's going on in your body. Track when the rage hits. Track when your period comes, if it comes. Track when the exhaustion hits. Track when the anxiety hits. Track when you just want to dive headfirst into chocolate mousse and no other food will do track when you want to eat salads track when you laugh track when you, whatever it is that is unusual for you track it so that you start getting this whole picture of what's going on once you have that picture and that better understanding of what's going on in your body and how you're reacting to things and all that that's when you can start actually being kind to yourself because you start to see the patterns and you start to understand what's going on. So that's where if your rage is three days out from your period and you know it happens because you get hangry, well, you've understood that. So self-kindness at that point is having a small snack before you lose it. Because if you've done that, then you know that if you really do still get angry, there's probably a valid reason for the anger. Um understanding that you're you have a really tired phase in the run up to your period that's often when it is for a lot of women factor in time on the sofa yeah but let your body tell you what it needs rather than the way we've all been kind of um conditioned to try and be the same every day try and be little men and blah, blah 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 no let your body tell you what it needs yeah. Let your body tell you what it needs. That's so helpful because when perimenopause hits, you can no longer rely on a 28 day cycle. You know, you, it, it's like, it might I, be 13, it might be 60. Who knows? Yeah. 
I remember really. But there will be lots days. of little hints. Your body's giving you little hints. So if it's going to be yeah. a 13 day cycle, by day 11, your body's giving you little hints. And you're like, that's weird because that feels like I'm on day 26, as right? would have you have to But it's happening it. on day 11. But okay. Well, I'll just take a little, I'll just go, just acknowledge it and maybe make sure I have stuff in my handbag just in case, you know, but. But being sort of curious about what your body's telling you and taking note of it puts you in a so much stronger position than if you just cluelessly go through it going, I don't know, this stuff is happening and I don't understand it. I love that. That's so helpful. And Emily, finally, tell us about some shit you've done for love that you will no longer do. (laughs) Ooh. Um... I have over the years, and I'm not going to expand on this very much. <laughs> I have, I had a She's bit blushing, of a. By the way, listeners. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit of a habit of going for people who were so totally unavailable, and thinking that somehow I could make them be available to me. Oh, oh, sister. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, if I'm too much for you, cool. It's not a me problem. Powerful words. Powerful words to end. A fantastic chat. Emily, thank you so much for being here. You, as usual, Perry Godmother, just light up the room with your smile and your compassion and your absolute heart and passion for what you're doing for women. You are incredible. Where can people find you, please? Perimenopausehub.com. Isn't Emily just your best Perry pal now? One of the things I love most about Emily is that she defends her group like a pit bull. And Emily's a serious dog person. She'll see the compliment in that. Her Facebook group, Perry Menopause Hub is such a nice place to be because Emily and her team of hub mods keep it that way. So anyone being judgy or snide is immediately shown the door. If you're looking for a place to genuinely connect and be supported and just let it all out, head there now. It's the place to be. I I am in there. We can connect in there too. All links to that can be found at www.perimenopausehub.com. Check the show notes. I'll put a link in there for you as well. I hope, my love, that you know you're not meant to suffer alone ever. Support is here for you. And while the darkest days of perimenopause are just rubbish, there's no denying it, it also does bring us a chance to ditch the good girl and reclaim our raw. You will come out the other side stronger and more in love with yourself. And remember, no matter what kind of moody, sweaty mess you're in, I bloody love you.